0: God bless and welcome to this week's episode of Family Discussion. We are so glad that you've joined us today. Family Discussion is a podcast of Reform Margins, a site dedicated to providing a platform for people of color to engage the larger Reformed and Evangelical conversations. Jesus teaches us in the Gospel of John that the world will know that we are his followers by the way that we love one another. And yet it seems like the love of Jesus is less and less evident in the way that we speak to and about one another, especially when we disagree. So, in the hopes of recapturing the brother-sister love that Jesus has won for us, we are calling a family meeting. For the next half hour, let's cut through the noise and look at the issues without slander and malice. It's time for a family discussion. God bless and welcome to another episode of Family Discussion. My name is Marcus Ortega, and as always, I am joined by the ever-patient Lisa Spencer. Lisa, how are you?
1: I'm doing well. How are you?
0: I'm good. We, we were recording already, and we got like three minutes into the episode and realized I had my settings all wrong, and so I thank you for your patience in working with me, because I am not good at the tech thing. This is not my forte at all, but, you know, here we are.
1: Listen, as, as much as you are, um, uh, consider yourself not adept at the tech thing, that <laughs> would make me, I don't know what that makes me, because no. No, because you are, uh, you far exceed my skills, for sure.
0: <laughs> well, you know, this is, we're trying, we're making it through, but I think it's been fun so far doing the podcast, people seem to be enjoying it, and uh, hopefully been enjoying also this shift now Um into uh, really the arena of systematic theology. We've been doing this for a few episodes now. Uh, We're actually changing what topic we're in. So for those who need a quick refresher, systematic theology is set up by topic. That's how you divide everything up. It's not by section of scripture, but it's by topic that you're going through. And we have been uh, hanging out in the doctrine of God we are now switching over to a word I'm going to use a grand total of one time because it's such a strange word in theology, prolegomena, um, which is a word that I just never needs to be used. It's the doctrine of revelation. Are you kidding?
1: I love prolegomena. You love that word. Come on. oh on. I, I know, that's the that's the nerdiness in me coming out. <laughs> it
0: is the ultimate theologians talking to theologians word.
1: <laughs> yes, yes, Nobody but on the ground level, yeah, but we, we want to keep it real on the ground level, so.
0: Yeah, so it's the doctrine of, and not just the doctrine of scripture, but the doctrine of first things or the doctrine of revelation. Um, and that's what we're dipping our toes in today. So not the book of Revelation, but the act of Revelation. And uh, so we're going to spend a couple different episodes talking about this. We're going to get into the nature of Revelation today. We're going to get into general Revelation a little bit today as well. Might need to spend more time with that next week. Some, And then really spend a lot of time in the Doctrine of Special Revelation. So even in saying all of that, I've gone ahead. So... Um, Before we get into this much, Lisa, you are basically the expert of the two of us here because you wrote your thesis on Revelation. So what was your your thesis uh, for your THM in this?
1: Right. And actually, I would say I had to deal with Revelation with regard to my topic because my topic had to deal with God's speech and the sufficiency of Scripture. Right. And just a little reminder for our listeners or for those who are listening in and don't haven't heard our season one episodes. I came out of a charismatic background. I I spent many years in non-denominational churches, but had a very strong Pentecostal charismatic underbelly Um, and particularly towards the end before I made the shift um it, you know my my theology definitely was increasingly charismatic and um you know so what happens with in charismatic theology is it's very experientially based it's you know we have to hear new words from god what is god speaking to us um and it starts touching in on what's called the um the new apostolic uh, Reformation. And that is, you know, this idea that there are modern day prophets and modern day apostles that still have something to say in relation to what God wants to reveal to us. Um, and so my thesis was basically explaining how God has already sufficiently spoken, He's actually he's sufficiently revealed what we need to know in matters of faith and practice. Now, it's not of course it's not everything, right? In in you know because look, we're trying to decide which job to take. Well, scripture doesn't scripture's not going to tell us that. But it gives us the general the guiding principles of what we need to know of whether whether we should take, you know, whether we should take that job or not. And so my, my goal in my thesis was to explain how God has sufficiently spoken through scripture. But I also left room for how God reveals himself through experience. And that has more to do with general res- revelation and how that works with our conscience. Because we all, listen, we're human beings. We all have experiences and the Holy Spirit is alive and at work within us. And so we really do need to make room for the experience, but also not let it guide or dictate what we do.
0: Well, I think that's one of the things that we're going to get into as we talk about revelation is that the um, the content of revelation is God himself. And it is God as he reveals himself most fully to us in Christ. And so the special revelation uh, or scriptures which are all about Christ are the grid that help us understand all the rest of general revelation, right? So your experiences, um, those, those promptings, maybe those inner promptings that you may feel, that's all gotta be filtered through the grid of scripture because scripture is the clear verbal, um, speaking of God to us that eventually culminates in Christ. Um, but I, I want to, before we get too deep into uh, scripture, before we, we use this to transition us into the doctrine of Christ and doctrine of man and doctrine of sin and all those other doctrines that we got to wrestle with, I want to slow down and talk briefly about what Revelation is in and of itself. What is Revelation? Um and I know I'm gonna to go to Bovink here in a second, but when you think, Lisa, about what is revelation, kind of as a definition, what is it? Like what, what are we what are we trying to say when we use the word
1: revelation? So revelation is simply God disclosing himself to his creation. So, you know, one of the things that was very part and parcel in the charismatic circles that I was part of was to say, oh, I have a revelation. No, actually, you had an illumination because our revelation, the, the revelation is contingent upon what God chooses to reveal. And that's why an important, as we look at God's speech through scripture, it's intricately, intricately entwined with his historical acts. So God is revealing himself through his deeds in conjunction with his covenantal promises.
0: Well, and I think, you know, this is, th- that's super key because when you think about Christianity as maybe distinct from other faiths, Christianity is a historical faith. These, this is special revelation about events that happened in the world, in place, in time, and when we start talking about place and time, now we're moving into general revelation type type of categories. Um, and so I, I appreciate the way you're saying these two, these things are intertwined with one another. We don't want to separate out various different kinds of revelation as if they're not just distinct, but totally divorced from one another. They're distinct, but they're absolutely related at every point. Um, and that I think is an important thing to draw out because some of the problems we can get into with general and special revelation is if we if we move them too far from one another yes. and don't see the way they interrelate. So um, I like the way you defined it. It's God disclosing Himself to His creation, um, you know. And there's a couple things I want to lean into here. And I am uh, we talked about theologians that we really trust and that we're using to to have these conversations. I'm leaning right now on Herman Bobink in uh, The Wonderful Works of God, which is a one-volume systematic theology that actually was just re-released a couple years ago and I recommend it to everybody. I don't um, have that one. Yeah, it, I... you, you got to grab it.
1: I it's, have to grab it. I consulted Bob Inc his first uh, volume of yep, his four yep. volume set. Yeah. Um, when I was working on my thesis. Now keep in mind this is in two thousand fourteen. Right, right. Uh, I would love to have that as part of my collection. So it's wonderful. thank you for that. it's yeah.
0: not it's it's not even just like a – um it's not like somebody took his four volume and just smashed it together. He wrote this separately as a mm-hmm. one volume, so it's got all the flow of it. It's beautiful. Oh, wonderful. Um, so he, he also uses that language, self-disclosure of God. Um, it's God himself. Here's, here's where I want to break this down. I want to emphasize a few things. God is choosing of his own free will to reveal. This is not forced on him. This is not de facto because he is God, he reveals. But it is a choice out of his will he chooses to reveal. It's an act of grace, It's an act of his goodness that he would want to reveal himself. He can, he has the power to keep himself wholly hidden from everything, but he chose not to. He wants, he's a revealing God, um, and that's out of his will. So God chooses to reveal, and he is the content of that revelation. And so sometimes um, people will say, I have a revelation from God, and it's about X, Y, Z over here. God's self-revelation is self-revelation revelation it's self-disclosure it's about god it's Mm -hmm. god revealing god to us not god revealing uh the mysteries of the universe not god revealing the you know a lot of people are saying i have a revelation of god about this is going to happen in your life well that's not how the bible and that's not how theology uses the word revelation i'm sure you ran into this in your in your Mm -hmm. nar days
1: uh, you know, and a key, so a, a key passage, this is sort of my anchor passage, which I think is very critical in these discussions is Hebrews 1, 1 to 2, and I'll read it. Um, Long ago, and many times, and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in these last days, in these last days, okay, it, that's the author of Hebrews writing in the first century we need to be mindful of that he has spoken to us by his son whom he appointed the heir of all things through whom he created the world and and so the one thing that we that is very critical in understanding of god's revelation and that what we see in scripture is we so we have all of this you know crazy stuff going on in the old testament but God is revealing himself through those acts. He's revealing himself through his chosen representatives, right? Through Moses, through kings, and particularly through David, which he gives the, the Davidic covenant. Um, he's revealing himself through the prophets. The prophets speak on behalf of God to the people. And what this passage tells us is that everything that God did In the past was in relationship to how he speaks through his son. And therefore, that ought to preclude what you just said about, you know, that God's revelation has to do with, you know, predicting what's going to happen next year. It's all in relationship to the testimony of Jesus Christ.
0: Yes, and... And it's because it's all about going to lead us to Christ. It's all about leading us. It's self-revelation to us. Mm-hmm. There is a, um, there is an object. There is, there's a receiver of this revelation, and this is what Bavink calls the purpose of revelation. Right. So it's God choosing to reveal Himself to us for a purpose, which is to lead us to Him. Right. That becomes then the purpose of Revelation. So the purpose of Revelation isn't, again, it, it's it, all of what we're talking about precludes us from these false understandings of Revelation of being mm-hmm. some like parlor tricks and uh, fortune telling and stuff like mm-hmm. that. It's not about any of that. And we can sometimes take prophecies, even the words prophecy. Long ago, he spoke in, in various ways in different times. Um Uh, we can take that and say, oh, well, then in these times, maybe he speaks in these different ways. Now, I am, I'm not a cessationist, and we can get into what that means in future episodes, I think. But I am going to say that any word of the Lord you think you have had better, had better be the scriptures. It better be right. the scripture, it, or at least the application of the scriptures to whatever you're going through right now, which in the end isn't about making your life better. It's about drawing you closer to God. It's about drawing you closer to Christ, which in the end will make your life better, but maybe through right. a period of suffering, maybe even through the grave.
1: Right. And I would say it's also about God's purpose, his plan and purpose for his creation on this earth, right, which he moves, mm-hmm. you know, through, uh, instrumentally, through his body, and here's where I think this passage in Hebrews also ought to inform us, particularly when we start getting into discussions about race and justice. In you know, in terms of uh, you know, not looking at the whole counsel of God, right? So if he spoke in these times, you know, in the past, but now he speaks to his son, is to understand what is the son. Speaking in relationship to God's promises and his, um, his requirements for obedience in the Old Testament. And that ought to inform us how we ought to live, how we ought to look at his creation. Because here's our tendency is to cherry pick passages right so you have those who are more socially justice inclined you love to go to the old testament i'm not going to point out the passages i think we all know what they are but love to go to the old testament and say look this is what god requires of us but we really can't divorce that from god's revelation in the son in his son and what the son has spoken in relationship to what has been spoken and what has been accomplished in the Old Testament well, and, and that, how the uh, and how the New Testament writers explain what that means
0: yes I mean it's it's that word accomplished that you just brought out that you know uh, I will mention the verse what does God require of you? There you right? go. We're talking Micah 6.8. For those of you, who, this is a favorite for those of us who really are. And and I think uh, anybody, whether you lean left or lean right, if you really are passionate about seeing God's justice work out in the world, Micah eight is an important verse. But here's what's important um, to always remember. Christ has accomplished what God requires of us. Mm. He fulfills it. He accomplishes it. Now, that doesn't render it null and void. Because what we find throughout the New Testament, I mean, you, you can't look at the book of James. You can't even glance in James's direction and not see that Micah 6.8 still applies to the Christian life. But it applies as the outworking of what Christ has already accomplished. He has fulfilled the law. And now we, as, as people who have had that law fulfilled for us, we now get to walk in the righteousness of Christ, which means obedience but it comes through Christ. And so all of this uh, is about God drawing people to God through his revelation of himself. It's Mm -hmm. all about God. Mm -hmm. Every step of the way, it's about God. And so um, when we think about revelation, we think of two primary categories, general revelation, special revelation. And within special revelation, you have the, the pinnacle of special revelation, which is Christ, And you have um, a more general understanding—well, I shouldn't say general, because that gets super confusing. General revelation, and then within special revelation, two parts, Christ and the Scriptures. Um, And so let's look at these. We're going to spend some time in this, because I think a lot of the ethnicity and justice conversations have to do with these areas of God's self-revelation. Because really, what it comes down to is we're all simply trying to be obedient. What does God require of us today? What does he want from us when it comes to our own lives, when it comes to our churches, and when it comes to our interaction with uh, secular society like we're in today? Um, so let's start breaking this out. General revelation. Um, Lisa, you had to deal with this some as you were working in your uh, thesis. So give us a little bit. What is general revelation and uh, you know wh- what are we calling general revelation?
1: Okay, so general revelation is basically God revealing himself to his creation in a way that it should be perceived. And and I'm going to go to Romans chapter one, because I think that this is the, um, you know, sort of uh, captures what general revelation is. And in 19, And 20, he says, For what can be known about God is plain to them, because God has shown it to them, for his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world in the things that have been made, so they are without excuse. So it's this idea that God actually speaks through his creation, and we can see that in Psalm 19 when he says that heavens are telling of your glory we can look out into his creation and you know and see that you know that there is there is a god who is who is active and moving and who has created everything and here's and here's the deal because i know we'll get into special revelation in a minute and why that's and why that's crucial but you can even see the I don't want to say rumblings, but you can even see how people have an inkling of what is right and what is wrong. People have an inkling of there's this this concept of you know, the fall and redemption, right? And you can you can see that through even things that are made by humans, right? We all love a good movie and a movie. why is it that there are so many movies? And, and the ones that really lift us up are the ones that involve redemption. Are right. they talking about Christ? Are they talking about the cross? No, they're not. But this, to me, is a product of general revelation.
0: And and general revelation is... Um is intimately connected to what we call common grace in the reformed world. Common grace is, is language that we use. It's very important language that, um, I, I want to say, and we've, we've done an episode about common grace before, but we're, we're going to lean into it a little bit. And I think probably need to do a whole new episode on it. Maybe next week, even the, the, the extents of common grace and how okay. far we can go, which is revisiting a similar topic, but I think it fits here. Um, General revelation is God's self-revelation through his created works. So that's his, that's everything you see created. That's the planets and the stars and everything from the largest things in the universe to the most infinitesimally tiny specks in the universe, all created by God, all in some way revealing God to his, his, the pinnacle of his creation, us human beings. Um, We see God's, general revelation working out in creation also in conscience and this is um this is what you're getting at lisa here it's it's the the knowing what is right and wrong instinctively Mm -hmm. and then by our sin we can push down that general revelation we can ignore it we can stifle it and sear our consciences but the conscience is given to us by God as an act of grace, because it reveals God to us that instinctive right and wrong. So this is, when we talk about general revelation, I think there are two primary categories. Creation itself, the material and immaterial world that we can see and experience, and also um, our consciences. This is all a part of what it is to, to talk about general revelation. And here's where I think this has immediate connection into uh, conversation about ethnicity and justice. Um, when Bavink is talking about general revelation, he mentions God's work as, um, cre- as creating everything and then also working among his creation through history. And he's, he he's even says he made of one blood all nations of men To dwell on all the face of the earth. This is part of God's general revelation is his creative act. That means that every single person and every single group of people, nations, is God revealing himself to creation. People are a part of God's general revelation. This does not make us God. And this does not make us a part of God. So don't misunderstand. This doesn't make us. Uh, uh, this doesn't make us God any more than a tree being made as part of general revelation it means that the tree is God, any more than special revelation. Scripture is not God, mm-hmm. and yet it has even greater a uh, an ability to speak God's word to us. But that means that people are revelation. We are image. We'll get to that uh, down the road. And when we talk about issues of justice and we talk about ethnicity, we, off, we immediately go to image. And, and we should. But we should not do that to the exclusion of people reveal God. We are, we are part of general revelation. So when we disparage another person or when we discriminate or hold a prejudice against a group of people, whether through policy or through personal prejudice then we are actually disparaging the very revelation of God. That is a serious crime. That is a serious problem. And so we want to see, uh, either through policy or prejudice, racism and hatred, uh, racism towards, you know, in our American context, racism as a historical thing, as a systemic thing, or the personal prejudices we have, that can, those arrows that can sling in any direction, those are all violations and disparaging of God's general revelation to us through our very selves. Mm-hmm. It's it's a really a remarkable thing to say, I'm not just made in his image. I am. That's beautiful. I'm also God's revelation to the world.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And, you know, you can take that in all kinds of weird ways. There's limits to this, but we tend to ignore it altogether.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And and, you know, and I will add to that because here's another misconception that we need to really get past is the the fact that total depravity, right? If we look at Ephesians one, you know, we are dead in our trespasses and sins, and yes, because of that, we do need the regenerating work of the Holy Spirit in just in order for us to receive Christ, for us to open our eyes to the gospel, to um, you know, to proclaim Jesus as Lord, to see what He has done on our behalf, and accept that. So we don't want to discount that. But here's what total depravity doesn't mean: it be, doesn't mean that human beings are so without a sense of goodness and uh, God's goodness and beauty that it can't be perceived. Right? Because that would be in you know in a, in direct contradiction. To what Paul says in Romans one, right. that there is we're not we're we're so totally depraved that we need the regenerating work of the Spirit, but we're not so depraved as we cannot perceive God's goodness.
0: Right, and uh, that that is key because that's what condemns us <laughs> in the end. Exactly. But it also, uh, <laughs> but also, we not only can we perceive His goodness, but we are still the objects of His love, hmm. and that's I, I think so important. Be, because we are made in his image and also because we are a part of this self-revelation, we are a part of God's revelation of himself to the universe. Honestly, we are also objects of his love. Mm-hmm. That's why common grace is a thing. Right. Uh, that's, that's why, uh, you know, we, we look at Jesus in Matthew 5 in the Sermon on the Mount, and this is in the Love Your Enemies section of the Sermon on the Mount, right? You've heard it said you should love your neighbor, hate your enemy, but I say to you, love your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you so that you may be sons of your Father who's in heaven. Here's the rationale behind love your enemies. So we always talk about love your enemies. Here's the ground for that. Because he makes his son rise on the evil and on the good and sends rain on the just and on the unjust. The reason we love our enemies is common grace. It's because God loves even the enemies of his people. And that's craziness to think about. Like that feels so foreign to us that he would love the his own enemies. But that's, I mean, that's in, an incredible thing to consider. We're called to love our enemies because God allows the rain to fall on the just and the unjust alike. The, the love of God is the ground of his revelation. If he didn't love. He wouldn't reveal. He would just be like, whatever. So I created some stuff. I'm going w- mm-hmm. to let it do its thing over there. They don't need me. But because he is, uh, because our greatest good is in giving him glory, and because he wants our greatest good because he loves us, he reveals himself th- through us and to us. I, it, it, just, it becomes so beautiful and so amazing to see that this this love that God has for us becomes then the ground for him saving us um, and right. that that's becomes the relationship between common grace and special grace between general revelation and special revelation
1: right and, and i would say and even more because we've talked about this previously in terms of the attributes of God in you know of why his judgment is not only necessary, but sometimes severe, you know, I know some people get tripped up, especially reading through the Old Testament, I'm like, well, I don't like, why does, why does he have to be so hateful, right? And you hear like more of the progressive camp, you know, saying that the love is sort of this, you know, flowy, let's, you know, anything goes, but no, it's particularly because he has created man in his image. And that man is supposed to reveal his goodness and that rejection because of the sin condition and because of, you know, um just us giving in. I tell you, before this recording, I was look I was reading over Romans one and I was just really struck by, you know, the fact, you know, he says, and God gave them over. Mm. Right? That there was yeah. such a an assault against the goodness of God, against his moral commands that god gave him over listen and i've you know i've been a prodigal i this is a side note i've been a prodigal you want the holy spirit tapping and and knocking and nudging Mm. because when he's not that's not good yeah you don't want god to give you over
0: Mm -hmm. amen and you know this is it is this misconception Well, love just means total permissibility. You can do whatever you want because he loves you. Um, No. Remember, the, the purpose of Revelation is to lead you to himself. It's not so that you are most fulfilled. It's not that you can live your best life. It's not that you can find your purpose. Your purpose is to glorify God and enjoy him forever. That is your chief purpose. And so, Revelation... His loving revelation to you is to lead you to himself, mm-hmm. which means, yes, discipline and mm-hmm. chastising. And, yeah, you're right. The Holy Spirit making making your conscience hurt a little bit. Your The Holy Spirit allowing you to feel the consequences of your sin from time to time. Mm-hmm. And not every time. And we praise God for that because if we felt the full consequences of our sin every single time we sin, man, we'd never get out of bed. <laughs> but... He will at times allow us to feel those consequences because it helps draw us closer to him. It is it is the purpose of his revelation to show us him that we might then come to him. It is, right. it is wonderfully redemptive. Um, you would almost say irresistible, but that's right. another conversation.
1: Yeah, and I would say, and here's where we want to take it back to special revelation in terms of God's you know, what he requires for reconciliation to himself. In that, you know, because we can we can go off our hunches and say, yeah, it's general revelation, but that's where we really want to unite those hunches that we have. And particularly when it comes to issues of race and justice, there's on one end you can be very opposed to Um, you know, to issues of justice, say, well, you know, just live, you know, live and let live, and and we're not supposed to, you know, get engaged and, uh, you know, so intimately engaged in these political discussions as if, you know, justice does not necessarily have to be political, but it can be, and it has been. That may be another episode for another day. And on the other end of the, the spectrum, is kind of running, you know, taking or running down the street. Well, we know this is what God requires. And because of your hunches based on general revelation, it's then you're, you're tying it into something that actually contradicts scripture. And so that's where we want to be careful when we're talking about common grace, general revelation, does this accord with the whole counsel of God?
0: And this is where I want to leave us today because I think this is an important segue into another half-hour, 45-minute conversation. Um, again, I'm going to quote Bob Inc. To, to move us towards an end. However, essentially, general and special revelation are to be distinguished. They are also intimately connected with each other. They are intimately connected with each other. When he gets to common and special grace, I love this sentence. It's it's one of my favorite that I've read in Bob Inc. because I think he he excellently connects common and special grace i actually
1: quoted that in my thesis
0: hey there you go Beautiful. it is common grace which makes special grace possible we're going to talk a lot more about common grace and special grace next time so we'll explain where he's getting going there So here's what happens. It is common grace which makes special grace possible, prepares the way for it, and later supports it. And special grace, in its turn, leads common grace up to its own level and puts it into its service. You see the relationship between these two things. We cannot separate them as if, oh, well, we're just going to operate in the realm of common grace. We're just going to operate in the realm of general revelation. How do you even know what those are if you don't have special revelation and special saving grace? Right. And, and that's what Bobbing's getting at a lot. That's where we want to go. And so when we have conversations about things like sociology, psychology, the hard sciences, um, anything – We want to make sure that special revelation is always in view and is the sieve that we use to understand all of these other general revelation things. And so we have a lot more work to do in the realm of revelation, um, but we have to kind of cut it here because we're already coming up to time. Lisa, any last words for us before we say goodbye?
1: No, I, I would just say, you know, hunters are good, but watch them have have guard where guard rails um and keep stay grounded in scripture
0: amen i mean listen this is a good rule of thumb here if god's revelation to you isn't leading you to god it ain't god's revelation it's something else so heads up there we love you thank you for being with us we'll see you again next time for another episode of family discussion well thank you again for joining us for this week's family discussion If you'd like to learn more or catch up on episodes you missed, head on over to our home at reformedmargins.com. There you'll find great content about a whole host of issues that we pray will bless your relationship with Jesus, including articles written by Lisa Spencer and me, Marcos Ortega. Family Discussion is a podcast of Reformed Margins, a site dedicated to providing a platform for people of color to engage the larger Reformed and Evangelical conversations. Your hosts are Marcos Ortega and Lisa Spencer. Our producer is Larry Lynn. Family Discussion is hosted by Podbean and recorded with Audacity. If you like what you heard today, it would be a great help to us if you gave a quick review and rating on iTunes. And don't forget to subscribe to our podcast wherever you listen to your favorite content so that you don't miss our next Family Discussion.